Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 9 of TMP, the Maturity Perspective. This week, June 26th, the NHL Draft Lottery will kick off. Phase 1, that is, of the Draft Lottery. Yes, we could have two phases because the circumstances that we're in. This is the hand we've been dealt, as Rick Grimes once said in The Walking Dead Season 2 or 3. Can't remember. This is the hand we've been dealt! Yeah. This year's projected number one overall pick, Canadian Alexi Lafreniere. Yes, you remember him dazzling you with highlights in the World Juniors. He could be the first Quebec-born skater to go first overall in the NHL draft since Vinny LeCavalier in 1998. There has not been a Canadian taken first overall in the draft since 2015. Yes, that was Connor McDavid. It's a little convoluted this year, and I thought, you know, we got to break this down somehow. Two hockey fanatics, just like myself, Ross Levitan and Ken Stapon, two good friends of mine, CSM grads, and TSN producers and hosts. They do a lot. Ross Levitan also has his own podcast called Locked On Sends. The Sends are going to be loaded in this year's draft, so of course we want to touch on that. And Ken Stapon, actually, I used to work with at Mercado, got me a gig there three years ago good guy knew he was a good guy already but that kind of solidified it and of course Ross is a phenomenal cook and I've definitely had the pleasure of trying some of his dishes so without further ado Ross Levitan and Ken Stapon to talk about the first phase of the draft lottery what up Kenny yo what up dog hey what up what up boys what's up up, dude Ross I got a uh, notification today from Maverick Barbershop, whatever. <laughs> so did I. Did you get that? And the yeah. uh, Scotia Plaza? If they've seen a picture of you, I can see why they'd send <laughs> you on. <laughs> I remember you and I went there together on like a Monday. It was oh, a, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a random Monday, like probably in the spring last year. And then uh, I didn't really Ten like it. years ago? I wasn't really happy with my, my cut. It's kind of weird. So like we're going to have phase two if necessary, right? If one of the teams from the qualifying round eight to 15, one of those seeds. Yeah. They could technically land a top three pick. <coughs> Definitely. But right now it's just placeholder spots. Edmonton or Pittsburgh could land Alexi Lafreniere. hundred percent. Yeah. Is this is just so that nuts. all the, all the teams that aren't in the play in, they at least know where they're picking that if like we wake up Saturday morning and it's like, Hey, how's the draft lottery? Good. We don't know who's picking first, second or third. That's it. And then we have to wait till probably so after the qualifying round and before the actual playoffs start. Yeah. We got teams exactly. tanking on purpose in the qualifying round. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why would the Habs just get swept? Yeah. I mean, I'd tell Price to stay home if I was the Habs. I went after Lafreniere, Byfield, yeah. Drysdale, Tim Stutzla, who just like came out of nowhere. Oh, he's solid. He, he's, my, he's my number three. He's your number three? I put yeah. him at number four, and then you might be a little shocked, but I know you're a goalie guy. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov at number five. Really? Well, wow. I feel like people will like. There's there, I guess. There's not. I don't yeah, like him because he catches the wrong way. Like, yeah, that's how that's petty really, I am. That's Ross's worst nightmare. Oh, goalie that and apparently, like, Wheeler uh, in his article said, like, he's, he's unreal, but he has this weird tendency that he, like, hops around the net. He like when he goes post to post, he like jumps up and like he's just like technically weird. Which I mean, goalie should be kind of weird, but yeah, I don't know, that's wild. That he's in your top five though. I mean, it's not crazy. He was he's Bob's number six at midterm. Yeah, and I think he's eleven. Yeah, the, yeah. for 
yeah. for Bob's final rank. And then there's the famous uh, 2005 draft when Pierre Maguire was just like digging into the Habs for taking price. Yeah, but if you look at goalies in the first round, a lot of them pan out. I think the last guy was Vasilevsky in 2012. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, other than last year. Other than last year, they had that Florida kid, um, Spencer Knight. Lafreniere could be playing with McDavid. He Lafreniere. could be playing with Artem Anisimov, right? Like, yeah, he could be. <laughs> but he could be. Yeah, you love that. Man, throwing him and Brady because they both play left wing, one shift and then one shift, then one shift, and just wearing teams down would be a lot of fun. The Sens have to go with two two forwards, though, in the top yeah. six. They, they need it. Which is why I have Drysdale a little lower on my list. Because like, I did it more as like this is what the Sens draft board should be. Because there's they have four second round picks, right? Ottawa and there's a lot of defensemen in that thirty to fifty zone with right. high upside. Still, I'd rather take a shot at a couple of those guys and get some sure things that could put the puck in the net. I would go for Sanderson over Drysdale. Oh yeah, you're on that like, camp. Yeah, bigger I, too, I, eh, Kenny? I, I just like the size. Yeah. Like, and it's nothing. It's nothing against Drysdale. Like, obviously, there's defensemen who are smaller who can make an impact on their teams. Like, look at Ryan Ellis in Nashville. He's had a tremendous career. You know, a guy that you can solidify. You know, your top pairing. And, you know, he's 6'2", I think 185 now. He fills out that frame, puts on another 30 pounds. He's, nobody's going to want to go in front of the net. No, no, that's you're true. Right. Best skater in the draft, too, which, I mean, scouts love. Did you see Bob in one of his, his uh, notes? I think it was the biggest nugget in the whole um, draft ranking show. Two of the 10 scouts he spoke with have Sanderson in their top three overall. Yeah. Not I even just top that. defenseman. That is, that's high praise for a guy who some have ranked in the 20s. Yeah. Well, Drysdale is only, what, 5'11"? Yeah, if 5'11", you, if like 175 TSN has him listed at. So, I mean, you could fill that out a little bit, but it just depends on what you're looking for. Because Drysdale as well is more offensive upside. And like a lot of scouts right. think that he could be a guy that could run, you know, your first power play. Yeah, whereas Sanderson might not even be on a power play unit, period. It yeah. might just be like a PK, even strength guy. And are you really going to spend a top 10 pick on a defenseman that can't like play in the offensive zone that well? It's I don't know. It, it's a bit of a reach, but... He, he's definitely a guy who can, can get, uh, get some high praise. I have him ninth on, uh, on our list. And then uh, to round out my top five, I got Lucas Raymond at four. Nice. Kind of Mitch Marner-esque, but might worry he plays a little bit too much on the perimeter. But we'll find out because he's been playing on the big ice his whole life. So we'll see on the NHL size rank if he can adjust there. And then Cole Perfetti's just kind of skyrocketed up my rankings throughout the year. Just natural, like, button game six out of five on hockey sense. Like, only other guy he did that too was McDavid skating. So you know it's at the the top end of the elite. Um, maybe a little undersized, and uh, just under six feet tall. But man, this kid can play. Like if you watch his highlight reel, it is uh, it's nasty. What do you think of your boy uh, Rossi? Rossi? Yeah. Thing with him, he's a lot of pl- a lot of scouts are saying that he might be more of a finished product. Which I mean. 120 points in 60 games in the O is still pretty good, but he missed last year's draft cutoff by just a couple of days. So he's yeah. one of the oldest kids in the draft. So they're saying that physically he's already much more mature than everyone else. He's got that low center of gravity, but yeah. I mean, creative goes to the net hard. He, he, you could do worse than getting Marco Rossi. Yeah. It's a, he, he kind of reminds me almost of like a Connor Brown type coming out of the league where you're not sure it might just be like a sort of what you see is what you get situation with this guy where he doesn't have the upside that some of these other players do because a lot of guys think that he's peaked already and that could that's very possible i mean he's with the amount of points they put up it's like obviously a very impressed season 
know, this is a guy that with 120 points, I think in the OHL this year, but his size and stature just makes me a little bit more nervous about taking him in the top mm. 10. Also, a lot of scouts think that this guy could have peaked already in the OHL. So it's going to be more of a situation of what you see is what you get versus, right. versus a situation where you're going to get a guy and then you can continue to grow in your organization, which some, which obviously is going to be very important. And when you look at a lot of the other players on the list, they don't think that they've even come close to peaking yet. Like for like, when you look at a guy like Byfield, if he can continue to develop his game at that size, he's going to be a lethal center, like C1 for years to come. Yeah, Byfield um, to me is like the most unique guy in the draft. He's, he's so big, 6'4", like 250 As a pounds. center, too. Guy's, it's like the, you yeah. sal- salivate at that. Like if you're a scout or a GM, like. Well, it has to go top yeah. three. And I couldn't believe that some of the scouts Bobby talked to, Bob Mack uh, had him at six, which is just ridiculous. Um, he, he had the 19th best all-time season for a 17-year-old in the OHL. I had guys like Stamkos, Sagan, and Andre Svechnikov. This guy is completely lethal at both ends. Some question his like competitiveness, and that's something that definitely has to be addressed for a number one center. You don't want to fall into that. And I know Jason Spets had dealt with this a lot in his career too. He's so big, you want more physicality from him, but he's not about to run guys over. He's not Ovechkin or or Malkin even, guys who like use their strength to overpower guys. He's going to use it more to protect the puck and to kind of make plays but he's more of a playmaker he's, he might get the rap of being a, a tough uh, strong two-way center but I think this is a guy who's just going to excel in the power play and uh, eventually grow into his his frame I mean he's still growing which is scary to think one of the youngest guys in the draft late August birthday well uh, you brought up Lucas Raymond uh, his line mate Alexander Holtz too um another guy you know what their nickname is together on the on the swedish team the terror twins the terror yeah it makes sense man one's the playmaker and one's the scorer one's the shooter Um, yeah they yeah that's a lethal duo right right there man so hopefully sends max fifth or sixth pick and you said you wanted two forwards yeah i'd stay stay away away from from holtz Yeah, he's he's down at eight on uh, on our rankings as well. I take Rossi over him, um, as well as the other forwards that I mentioned. I have Holtz just in front of Jack Quinn, who's another intriguing goal scorer. A lot of uh, scouts that uh, – well, not scouts. A lot of people, they'll just see that he played for the 67s, number two team in, in the CHL this season, and say, oh, he benefited from those 120 points that Marco Rossi had that we spoke about. But they actually played on separate lines at even strength all season. And 52 goals for a 17-year-old uh, is ridiculous. He had the most even strength goals in the entire CHL with 34. Um, he's just going to he's going to score in every way you want to. Um, comparable, like I'm thinking like an Alex DeBrinket type, a guy who can come in right away. Might be a little undersized, but can play at both ends of the ice, PK, power play. Um, so Jack Quinn, yeah, just under Holtz because Holtz has that, that release where he can score from top of the faceoff circle where I right. think Jack Quinn has to kind of create a bit more himself. Um, but if Holtz gets the right centerman, he's going to be extremely tough to contain. Well, I wanted to kind of pinpoint two, or maybe I guess three, three that seriously need some major adjustments, teams that is. So Red Wings, Sabres, and Sens. Uh, biggest thing, obviously, if, if Red Wings take Lafreniere, that's a huge piece for them. But Sabres, man, like – they have had a, a horrible decade. Just just fired their GM. Um, again. Again. 
you know, at some point, well, he has, he has come out and spoke publicly about it. He's frustrated Jack Eichel. What's the biggest thing Buffalo needs to, to fill? I mean, when I look at the Sabres, they seem to have some sort of potency up front. Like, I like Eichel. I think that Skinner, if he can get back to his form before he signed that big deal, he's got some tremendous upside. Uh, they have some depth forwards there that I like. If I'm Buffalo, I think probably a winger is, like, what I'm looking at. I mean, we talk about, like, Lafreniere, if they can manage to sneak in to, like, one of those top – the top pick. Uh, Stutzel is another one who would be a nice fit there. I just feel like they need some – some more potency and some pieces to put around Eichel that are going to make him want to stay. And the easiest way to do that is by finding wingers who can put the puck in the net. Well, how about the two guys I just mentioned? And if they don't win the lottery or if they even happen to move back a spot or two, that's Alexander Holtz and Jack Quinn territory. And both of those guys would look unreal on Jack Eichel's wing. Maybe need a, a third guy. I don't know what Kyle Poso's status is, but like that kind of like power forward to go and get pucks. I don't think you can expect that right away at the National Hockey League level out of those two kids. But if one of those guys can, can find a way to get open, um, much more of a sure thing than when they reached, I think, a little bit for Casey Middlestad, who still has yet to pan out. Still young, yeah. still can. But um, I think, yeah, if the Sabres could get either of those two goal scorers, I think Eichel would be uh, um, really solid and happy about that. But if they don't make noise this season, if they're not on the upswing and a playoff team, Eichel's gone. Like he's well, they really only stay. have a couple of players too that are locked in for the term here. Like Eichel, Skinner, and Ocposo are the main three offensive core that are tied up. And then on the back end, it's like they they're pretty young defensively when you look at it. Like Rasmus Dahlin, still we have yet to see the best that he has mm -hmm. to offer. Um, they got good. a couple other young guys on the back end with Slyne and tied up for the next couple of years. I mean, they could easily like this is a team, quite frankly, that could go front end, back ends. They're in a total rebuild, and it's just like. It's like, as you pointed out, BMAC, it's disappointing for the fans of this organization because, I mean, mm -hmm. Christ, how long have they been doing this for? It seems like they've been a perennial loser. And you figure that when right. they drafted Jack, Jack Eichel, what, what year was that, 2015? Yep. When he came yep. into the picture, you figured that they were going to be able to compete in a year or two, and it just hasn't happened for him. Right, and they made that pitch, too, in 2015 to, to get Babcock, and he, he didn't want to go. And then, Maybe so really – Ever since, yeah, ever since 2015, it's just been kind of downhill. You've got about uh, Victor Olofsson, too. So they're pretty loaded up front. You know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. That's let insane. That, let that sink in for a little bit. They've gone through Lindy Ruff, Ron Rolston, Ted Nolan, Dan Bilesma, Phil Housley, and now Ralph Kruger since they last made the playoffs behind the bench. Like, that's so much changeover. And then, like, Tim Murray, I thought, was actually starting to build something. He went out and got Ryan O'Reilly. And clearly that didn't work. The culture needed a change. And if you're Jack Eichel, you saw that a disgruntled O'Reilly ended up being a Selkie, Conn Smythe, and Stanley Cup winner the next year. Like, doesn't it kind of appeal to you at that point? Like, hey, maybe I should go that route. Oh, of course, I think that he wants out of Buffalo. I don't think there's any question about that. It's just the fact that Buffalo is never going to trade him like at, until the point where he pretty much says that he's not going to show up to play. I mean, he's probably a top five center in the league at this point. I think that's fair to say, right? Everybody Easily. agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you look at like, he has to be the cornerstone if this franchise is going to be successful. Now it clearly indicates that there's a bigger culture problem there, a problem in the locker room, a problem with the organization that needs to be weeded out and fixed because it's 
been a perennial issue for this franchise. Yeah, good luck getting any free agents if you can't keep O'Reilly, you can't keep Jack Eichel. These are guys with so much respect league-wide, and if they don't want to be here, <laughs> yeah, good luck. The Red Wings have some serious cap problems. A lot of guys in their mid-30s. Who are oh, on, that's their biggest problem? Who are on, well, that's just, <laughs> a st- that's just a start. Like, Franz Nielsen is Jimmy still Howard, locked up for a few Two months. wins, 23 losses, two overtime. <laughs> yeah, easily. They've got everybody it's, locked up. It's and it's they, it's they horrible. might have the least flexibility. I think they only have like a million in, in cap room. Like it's it's a joke. And now it's like, well, we have nobody on the back end. I mean, if you're if you're Lafreniere, it's like, well, all right, like there's only so much I can do. I guess him and Larkin, like who knows if that chemistry would form. Um, other than that, there's there's no one else really. Uh, that's... I mean, Zadina is going to be a good player that they yeah. got in the draft in 2018. He'll he'll be solid, and then Maurice Sider, the German defenseman, like they're starting to do the right thing. And if if there's anyone the hockey town can trust in in building a winner there, like Stevie Y is is the guy. He took Tampa Bay from like a team that really had had their stars. They had Le Cavalier and Saint Louis, but beyond that, it was tough. And they he built that thing into a perennial powerhouse. So. I think if you're a Detroit fan, just stay patient. Hopefully the lottery balls go the right way. Next year won't be their year either. But once you get some of these these Ken Hall and um, like loyalty contracts, I think it's kind of what Dean Lombardi did in LA. Like he saw that he had some success with these players and he had so much loyalty to them. He locked them up to long-term deals. Like it, especially like, man, you look at their back end. It's, it's impossible to uh, to build around these guys when they're not like Jonathan Erickson still still has some years left yeah. and oh man th- this is just tough to even look at like four point two million dollars uh, for a guy like that man there's uh, there's a lot to uh, a lot of work to be done yeah it's a complete disaster and like on the back end they've got really nobody notable I mean if this is a complete rebuild for these guys get the lottery balls because outside of Zadina and Larkin there aren't really any core players i don't know that they have a ton of players coming through the pipeline either that show that this rebuild is going to be anywhere in sight and i mean even their goaltending situation it's like jimmy howard he's 36 so you gotta feel like he's on his way out and then they got jonathan bernier as the backup who you know he's decent in a backup role he's definitely got his work cut out with him if he's going to try to turn the red wings into the same type of contender that he was able to build in tampa bay and finally the sends so you mentioned Connor Brown before. Remember that bet we had last summer on the course? If he uh, no, surpassed 20 up goals? Too. We'll, ha- we'll have to reset that for next year. Same bet, same I, everything. Because he was it. heating up. He I know, because he, he had, had 16. When it, yeah, when the season went on pause, I was actually like, okay, I might have to scrape up this. Well, it was for $100. So I was like, I might have to scrape up like a couple 20s here. But yeah, he yeah. Was, he ended, ended with 16 in 71 yeah, was, games. So he had to get four goals in the last 11 games. And like playing on the top line, that's doable. The Sens were, uh, oh, yeah. were in spoiler mode too there. He had that two-goal game against Columbus. And if you look, yeah, in the last nine games, he played, he had five goals. So like he was, he was heating up, buddy. Was, he, was um, he leading the team in points this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he like, was. I want to say. That's insane. I'm pretty sure he that. was. Yeah, that yeah so many a, people like were on me like for like liking this guy. I'm like now he like he's a third liner that's leading a well, uh, Senators team. S- point. Second, one one second. point behind Brady Kachuk. Okay, so second second in scoring. Yeah, I mean, same like, bet, same bet for 2021. Absolutely. When you look at the three teams that we just mentioned, 
I don't think that there's any question that the Ottawa Senators are by far the furthest along in their rebuild. I mean, when you look at Shabbat on the back end as being, you know, that franchise anchor defenseman, you know, power play one guy, he's just going to continue to grow into this league and develop into a even better two-way player than he already is. When you look they at led, led the entire the league, end, led the entire league in time on ice last season. Yeah. It's like, they're going to, they're leaning on him so much at a young age. And, and then when you look in the front end, like, the drafting of Brady Kachuk accelerated this whole thing exponentially because everybody knows that these Kachuk brothers, it's like, you don't want to play against them. They could put the puck in the net great in the locker room. I mean, future captain, the senators. Yeah. The senators for what they've done and the way that they were able to parlay and get picks and acquire more draft capital and different players when they moved out Eric Carlson, when they moved out Matt Duchesne, when they moved out Ryan Dezingle, I mean, give Dorian some credit because now they're sitting in a position with potentially the first overall pick in their back pocket, and then probably another one in the top five in this draft, and then a plethora of picks in the later rounds. I mean, and another uh, first for the Pajot trade. Senators fans obviously would have liked to have seen Mark Stone stay, and they That's would have the liked to have seen Eric Carlson stay, and they would have liked to see Matt Duchesne stay at the time. But the way that a lot of those contracts have panned out now, it looks like the Senators were on the winning end of those deals. Yeah, the Stone one, I, I still think it's ridiculous. They weren't able to get a first round pick involved as well, knowing that the extension was forthcoming with Vegas um locking him up for eight years which is like such a steal but Branstrom he's going to be a good defense when I work in Belleville I see see this kid play he's about a point a game player in the AHL as a 21 year old D-man but I don't see that that like number one D upside and when you're trying the best defensive forward in the National Hockey League you need to, to hit on that but the Carlson trade looks fantastic as, as tough as it was to see him go um, after the 10 years there. But, yeah, you mentioned Brady Kachuk, and they almost didn't have that pick. Remember, they, they had traded the option to either give away the fourth pick there or defer and give away 2019. And everyone thought they'd be even worse in 2019. So they're giving flack for, for taking Kachuk. But it was such an important move because it gave the fans a new face. They had Shabbat on the back end, but you need a guy that you can market. You need a guy that you can build a team around. And get this, guys, it, it's a real shame that the season ended. And um Brady Kachuk he had over 300 hits he was third in the National Hockey League in hits um he was also on pace he had 259 shots on goal he was on pace to be the first player in NHL history to have 300 shots and 300 hits in a season so like 20 years old 21 years old this guy is is a complete gamer he'll do that again next season another area that you like on Ottawa is the goaltending I mean with Hogberg coming through the pipe this is a guy that you can really see becoming the franchise goalie of the future. I mean, he dominated the World Junior Tournament a couple of years back. A really shrewd pickup to bring him into the organization and something that Sens fans can hang their hat a goalie of that caliber ready to come in. This the guy out. could not buy a win this year. How about his stat line? 24 games, five wins, eight overtime and shootout losses. Eight of those at one point his record was it started out like i think it was two six and eight it was unreal and then he won a a couple games yeah i i really like him he started playing better down the stretch in the nhl he dominated uh his final year in belleville and then joey decord is another name i'll throw out there arizona state seventh round pick but his dad is actually the goalie coach for the toronto maple leafs brian decord one of them uh, along with john elkin so you can just tell that his dad's a goalie coach he's so technically sound and he, he actually started the year Joey Decord in uh, Brampton in the East Coast League. And it was once uh, 
I think Craig Anderson, maybe Anders Nielsen uh, got hurt at the NHL level that bumped everyone up in the organization. And next thing you know, Joey Decord was starting in Belleville for most of the season and put up a, a 15, six and three record um, leading Belleville to first place in the, in their division with a 915 save percentage. This kid's unreal, and uh, I'm excited to watch him develop. But this this draft lottery is is potentially the biggest day in Sense history. Like having two picks, 25 um, percent odds, man. Yeah, so the, the they haven't drafted in the top three since actually today's the anniversary, 19 years ago when uh, Mike Milbury was on the wrong end of wow. that parade that sent Alexi Ashen to the island uh, in exchange for right. uh, a young very um how do i say this unrefined defenseman in uh, zidane chera is that a one yeah and and the three last time they drafted first overall they actually ended up getting their franchise leader in games played chris phillips back in 96 so um they do well when they draft high their only other top 10 picks were brady kachuk in 2018 at fourth and mika zibanejad who obviously has had his success elsewhere in new york the one thing i would say for ottawa look for an extension for brady kachuk before start of next season this past decade what was in your opinion the most loaded draft class i'm leading towards 2015 i was gonna say i was leading towards 2015 you just look up and down that draft class first of all the best player to get drafted from the entire uh decade Connor mcdavid led it off we talked about jack eichel who would have gone first in almost any other year safe the matthews and mckinnon years and Mitch Marner, you go through like so many events have been canceled that are the high pressure situations of whether or not a player is going to big stage and elevate their game. Really where I'm stuck is what if these players go back to their start of next season before the draft? Like how much can that change? So I'm, I mean, this is just unprecedented times, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, boys, I look forward to hearing your live reactions on Friday. After oh, eight, I, I'm I'm going to be a few a few whiskeys deep. I promise you that. A couple <laughs> whiskeys in, maybe a nice prime rib too. You're probably cooking up something big on a yeah, on a yeah Friday. I'll, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> figure it out. Charcoal grill and uh, get ready for the <laughs> celebration. You bet, guys. BMac, thanks for having us, dude. Yeah, we'll do this thanks again. for coming on, boys.